Welcome to All Things Terror. Wait, I did that backwards. <laughs> God damn it. How many times have you done this? Hi, I'm Emily. I'm Jennifer. And this is All Things Terror, a podcast where we bring you terrifying true tales from science history and true crime. And we can't get our intro right no matter what happens. And we've been doing this I don't years. Even know for how long? Years, now. Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm gonna write out an intro script for you, and then you can post it, post, post it, post note it, sticky note it onto your computer. Oh, girl, just say I've written myself scripts. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I still mess it up. <clears throat> We're just doomed to Emily chaos. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of thirsty hmm. um i love swimming and <laughs> <laughs> that was such a delightfully strange transition continue <laughs> but it totally works so don't judge me <laughs> um i love swimming and particularly i love swimming in natural bodies of water i'm not a fan of swimming pools because like one they're boring in typically like rectangles. Two, there's no way to escape the other people. It's like, I'm an expert swimmer. Let me just, oh no, there are people on the deep end. Crap. You know, like you just can't get away. And I, you know, slightly people phobic because I'm a monster on the inside. I mean, a, when you're and, an adult, a swimming pool is really a standing pool. Yes. Yeah. Especially out here, because there's a regu- there are regulations on how deep the pools can be. Uh, fun fact. Hmm, I didn't know that. Yep. So, if you're ever in, in the general area of Austin, and you happen to be in a, a pool that has, like, eight feet deep water, it's because they're basically grandfathered into... Um, Having a pool that deep, but most pl- places can't have that. I can stand in basically all the pools here, huh. and I'm not a tall person. I mean, I guess <laughs> that's means. a bummer for people who like to dive. Right. Um. So, anyways, I'm I love swimming. Uh, I grew up swimming, even though I also grew up with a, a paralyzing fear of water because I almost drowned once. Um, And I didn't know how to swim. Like, I didn't know how to swim. That was the first stage of my fear. (laughs) That that would do it. (laughs) And uh, because I was afraid, because I was afraid of the water because I didn't know how to swim, I was also afraid to get in the water to learn how to swim. So, you know, it's a cycle. And, of course, I was a child. And, as we all know, children are very rational uh, people sometimes. And uh, there was a time I almost drowned. It was very real, and it was very terrifying, and that just completely wiped out my fear of water after almost drowning. You're like, like having been through the situation, I was like, okay, well, now I know. You're like, bitch, you <laughs> couldn't kill me for one time. Uh, you're not going to get it again. <laughs> right. What is that line from um, The Wire? You come at the king, you best not miss. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I love swimming. I grew up swimming in the ocean and lakes and ponds. Like, yes, I was the person that would swim in a pond. And for those of you who grew up around ponds, you know how utterly disgusting that is. Yeah. If there was a creek 
or a river nearby. You couldn't get me out of it. When I was in Dahlonega, uh, I would spend my uh, summer days hanging out in the little river that was connected to a waterfall and, of course, dangerously engage in the waterfall. So <laughs> I love swimming. Um, and other than, like, the normal dangers of swimming, which are, like, if you're near not... If you're swimming in natural bodies of water, like, you have the risk of, like, slipping and falling on slippery rocks, or you have things like, yeah, I worry about riptides and undertoes and all this stuff. Yeah, or, like, but, uh, weeds touching your legs, which will make you freak <laughs> out, and then everyone will be like, what's wrong with you? And you'll be like, it touched me! What could it be? <laughs> oh, yeah, and I, in, um, in North Carolina, I did spend some time at the rock quarry, so, you know, love swimming. Well, I don't know about you, but I never thought anything about it, you know, as a big kayaker. And I I was aware of, like, the dangers. as like, well, I, I could end up in deeper water than expected and overturn and for some reason get in a situation where I can't swim my way out of the river because, like, the current's too uh, strong or something like that. But... I'm going to tell you a story about Negleria Valeri, mm. which has, I knew it existed in, like, the periphery of my knowledge, but um, I want to talk about it now because global climate change. Mm. So, Negleria Valeri. Fal eerie. Negleria fal eerie. Just I'm just gonna call it the NF, <laughs> but that is its formal name. Um it is a amoeba that is not a true amoeba. What? Which is a like everything about this is it it does this or it is this but. So the NF is a is or does this but kind of living organism so this is it's an amoeba this is what trickster gods are in the modern era is what you're telling me <laughs> yes uh, <laughs> the nf is a trickster god um it lives in warm bodies of fresh water and it eats bacteria that's what it does and when i say warm bodies of fresh water i mean rivers lakes ponds hot springs how how um, warm does warm have to be so it can survive into water, uh, in water that is anywhere between 102 to 115 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, damn. Uh, but, you know, warm water. In fact, it has been found in hot water heaters. Um, it has also been found in, like, um, unchlorinated or uh, not properly chlorinated pools. It also has been found in the soil and water discharges from industrial plants. That's bonkers. Like, inside a hot water heater and the discharge of industrial plants and soil, like, this thing sounds borderline impossible to kill. <laughs> also, uh, when you were talking about how you like to grow up swimming, my mom made us take swimming lessons for, like, many years and because I grew up in a small town, the swimming lessons were only in the summer. 
Um, and so we'd go like every day for a couple weeks. And then at the end of the, the session, the semester, whatever, all of the classes would come together and all the little kids would jump off the diving board so the parents could come see their kids. And the kids were excited because you weren't allowed to jump off the diving board the whole time. But then once you jump off the diving board, you have to swim to the edge. So the parents get to see you swim. Um, and then once you got out of the water, and I don't know why this was, but um, they would give you a glazed donut. <laughs> which was <laughs> reward. Yeah, which was very exciting. Um, and like all, once you did it once, then like every year, all summer, you just were so excited for like diving board and donut day. And um, to this day, if I smell chlorine, I'm like, mmm, donuts. Like, it's... <laughs> You've been conditioned. It, I have absolutely been conditioned. Like, big donut has its, <laughs> its hooks in me. You just have to give me a whiff of chlorine. And I'm like, I need a donut right now. <laughs> well, you might change your mind. So, um, the amoeba is not a donut shape, by the way. <laughs> I, I'm gonna write that for you. I I'm clearly as food motivated as my dog, so. <laughs> um, so when I say it's not a true amoeba, what it is is it is a free living, and I'm I'm doing a science with you guys. It is a free living, which means not a parasite. Hmm. Shape shifting. Which means it has multiple forms. It is a trickster god. Amiibo. So amoeba-like. Flagellate. So it has a... F um, like a little flipper? Little flippers. They they have a real name. They're called uninspiredly um, flag flagella somethings. Fragella. Yeah. Fragellas. Uh, one of the few things I remember from high school biology, because I remember thinking that was so uh, hilarious and absurd that they're like, here's a little like flipper foot that it puts out and just wiggles around to move. And I was like, this is insane. How is this real life? <laughs> yeah. So uh, it has one of those. It's got a flipper thing or it can have one of those. Um, excavate. So it is a free living, shape shifting, amoeba flagellate excavate excavate if you guys want to look it up you're in this is probably terrible pronunciation of this word but it is e-x-c-a-b is in victor a-t-e feel free to go down that rabbit hole <laughs> um so it's non-parasitic it eats bacteria it lives in warm bodies of water and uh overall it's pretty basic kind of water creature thing um what is interesting to keep in mind is that the higher the water temperature you get more of these type of amoeba hmm so if it's 115 degrees fahrenheit fahrenheit there are going to be a lot of nf hanging around weird all right so i want to talk about its three different forms because remember i said it was shape-shifting so let's talk about the shape shifter capacity of the NF. So its first form is a cyst. So uh, it is spher uh, spherical, smooth, 
It has a single layered wall and a single nucleus. Um, what a cyst is, for those of you who did forget a lot of um, your biology classes, this is basically the dormant stage. Um, so you, you know like the body shapes that they teach you? <laughs> when you're a girl for some like reason that they don't teach men and apples <laughs> yeah yeah so you know the cyst the cyst is like the apple <laughs> it's just it's just very round and it doesn't really do anything and the reason why this is the dormant shape is that um this shape is uh this form of the nf is basically resistant to environmental factors such as lack of food overcrowding cold temperatures anything that would keep the NF from surviving or thriving, it goes into this dormant shape. And actually what's interesting about the shift, uh, the cyst form is that it actually is optimal in helping um, the NF from going from one host to a more favorable environment. So it travels well. Hmm. It's an apple and it travels well. I mean, apples do travel well, so the metaphor is really sound. <laughs> and this is true for like when you're talking about any of these uh, organisms if you hear like in its cyst form all you gotta go is like oh it's survival form yeah. got it it's like hibernation <laughs> yes <laughs> so um the second form that it comes in is the uh god i do not know how to say this but the trophozoite Trophozoite? Trophozoite? It's basically the amoeboid form. And this is what is called the infective stage. So um, this is basically w the stage where it, like, you know, uh, this stage is, is for nourishment. Or it, it, actually, it's interesting because the word means nourishment animal. <laughs> <laughs> nourishment animal no <laughs> so this is this is the feeding stage of protozoa essentially mm. is when they're in the uh trophozoid i'm sorry for anyone who actually does science i know i'm butchering these words i was just but basically say, i feel like you're doing a very good and thorough science <laughs> <laughs> um so that's what this stage in and the third stage is the by flagellate stage which just means it has the two fragilla and um the flagellate uh form can exist uh well I'll, I'll, actually i'm going to take that back the flagellate form is a pear shape <laughs> okay <laughs> and <laughs> i just What's funny to me when I read this is like so um you know it's a it's the pear shape it's got the two little things that uh fill with uh plasma so it can like propel itself around so I just think of like a really wiggly sassy pear. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but I I I take the time to describe this and go back to the trophozoite um shape because the trophozoite shape to me just sounds like meat wad. <laughs> like it just suddenly forms these extensions so that it can like move around a little bit. 
I really wish that you were in one of my high school science classes because all of your analogies are cracking me up and making it uh, much more uh, accessible. (laughs) (laughs) So if this whole, like, fulfilling, lucrative career doesn't work out for you, uh, I hope you'll consider becoming a high school science teacher. I have to go back to school, though. I know, God. and then you'd have to be teaching high school students forever. Uh, don't do it. Never mind. I mean, you'd be good at it, but don't yeah. do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you in in the cis form in the in the biflagellate stages, like you have like these very elegant forms, <clears throat> and then the trifluzoite stage, like because it doesn't actually have like the two fragilla, <clears throat> it's filling it's a uh, it's it's basically has a nucleus and a halo, and when it needs to move, it like, um, it travels via a pseudopodia, which means that it has pseudopods, where they extend part of their body, they fill it with plasma, and they just scoot around like that. So it is like meatwad; they just suddenly have arms when they need arms. <laughs> it's weird. Um, I challenge anyone to not think of. Meatwad as a type of protozoa. Well, I mean, again, your analogies are carrying through quite well. <laughs> so, um, something else to know about the NF is that it's uh, like most people, and I would imagine a lot of living creatures, sensitive to drying and acid. <laughs> Yeah, all right. I yeah, I don't know if that applies to me entirely, but most most other creatures, <laughs> sure, sure. And uh, it also can't survive in salt water, so that's why it only appears in fresh water bodies of water. Now, why the fuck is any of this important? Well, what's interesting is that, um, as a trophozoite in this form. It can actually get into the nasal cavity. No, I was worried this was going to be where this went. And it, when it goes into the nasal cavity, it actually goes into the brain. And this is where it does stuff to make babies through binary vision. Vision. So, you're like, okay, so you get like... A bacteria-eating, shape-shifting, bullshit amoeba in your brain. Kind of gross, but no big deal, right? Well, yeah, sure. We've talked before about how humans are basically sacks of worms. So, what's (laughs) one more worm? (laughs) But it's actually really scary. So, uh, what happens when you get uh, a one of these NF guys in your nasal cavity and it makes it up to your brain is a thing called um, nalgeriasis, or also known as PAM, which is primary amoebic meningoencephalitis, also known as amoebic encephalitis or amoebic meningitis. I mean, not knowing a lot, I do know that uh, meningitis and encephalitis are bad things. Yes. 
So remember when I said this is one of those things that like is this thing but or normally does this thing but Oh yeah. Um so again, typically the NF eats bacteria. When it's in your brain, it likes to eat your astrocytes, which is a type of brain cell. Mm, that doesn't uh, seem it doesn't good. uh and from what I understand, these are things that actually protect your neurons and also it likes to eat neurons. So it makes a whole fucking snack of your brain. I feel like neurons are things that we want to keep, not be yeah. eaten at. The general body of science agrees with that statement. <laughs> Thank you, general body of science, <laughs> for your support. And here's what here's what's crazy. Um, so it can invade the human body in its uh, trypozoite stage. Um, it can also enter the body in the biflagellate stage, but if it does enter the body in the biflagellate stage, it then converts over to the trophozoite stage. Because remember, in that stage, it's the nourishment animal. Mm, okay. So in the cis form in the uh, biflagellate stage, there's not a whole lot of nourishment animal happening. So meat wad is in your brain, uh, eating your delicious brain parts. No, I like my brain parts. I mean, I don't, it, but I feel like I need them. <laughs> now, <clears throat> it's incredibly rare. Um, the statistic I have that I can cite is between 2009 and 2018, there are 34 infections. Oh, Jesus. So, you know... Not the worst odds in the world, but, you know, at the same time, bodies of water are warming up. <laughs> because global climate change is not a conspiracy. Oh, no. So let's talk about what happens when you get uh, the, the PAM from the NF in the form of meatwad. So once you inhale meatwad through your nose... It takes about one to nine days for symptoms to show up. And the primary symptoms are headache, fever, nausea, vomiting. So, could be a bad case of food poisoning. Yeah, I mean, as someone who's had that happen, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, you know, I think we talk about this every time. It's like, do you want to know what the symptoms are? All these innocuous things. I know. <laughs> I mean, like, the number of things that nausea can be is really disheartening for life. <laughs> like, how are humans alive? Yeah, if you guys, if you if you feel like you're going to be sick to the stomach, you know what? It could be mild food poisoning. It could be a giant ball of fire eating your insides. It could be literally anything on Earth. Like, I, <laughs> and every time I hear things like that, I'm just like, how are humans alive? I, I have no answers because science, I don't know. Uh, can I just have a aside? Do you, do you have Hulu or no Netflix? You have Netflix, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I watched Black AF, which is, uh, Kenya Barris's show there. And it is so funny. It's kind of like curb your enthusiasm um 
but with children and Rashida Jones. And there's this part where a bunch of them go to Fiji and um, his like assistant keeps talking about how he needs sunscreen and Kenya Barris stars in it as well. And he goes, the sun, the thing that gives life to this planet is trying to kill white people. He's like, and there's so many of them. How did that happen? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, as someone who gets very sunburned and in fact has been sunburned through a window i'm just like i don't know i think the same thing (laughs) that's that's a very fair question (laughs) all right coming back anyway (laughs) got it we need to do an episode on sunburns okay anyway um later symptoms that you might experience are stiff neck Confusion, lack of attention. So you got in a car accident, or also you have ADD. Or you just didn't drink enough coffee this morning. <laughs> you didn't drink enough coffee. You're over twenty five years old, and you just woke up. <laughs> <laughs> um, a loss of balance, seizures. Oh Jesus Christ! Hallucinations. Oh my God. Um, so some some crazy shit. Yeah. And then anywhere between five days to two weeks of the symptoms appearing, you die. Oh my god. So cool, right? I mean, that's Um, not the adjective I would pick, but sure. So I'm going to get to treatment. But I'm going to I'm going to skip there because there's just a couple more details I want you guys to know before I get to that, because it's really going to drive it home. Um. How, how how do you get the infection? Well, you swim in warm bodies of water, <laughs> fresh water, um, that have the uh, fake amoeba in it. I mean, this is just where I make a plug to join me in my desert life and be suspicious of all bodies of water and horses. <laughs> <laughs> also... People have been known to contract it by flushing their sinuses with tap water that has the fake amoeba living in it. Because remember, it can live anywhere. It has also been found in hot water heaters. Yeah, except you have to put the salt in it, right? Clearly, people didn't salt it. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you're like, okay, okay. So, um... Don't swim in warm water. Don't stick tap water up your nose. Uh, Where is it found? Well, anywhere where there's warm, fresh bodies of water, which um, I guess there are some in the northern part of the United States around the Midwest, but you can primarily find it in the southern areas of the U.S. Mm. And primarily in July, August, September, but those dates are changing and the finding period is of course getting longer because bodies of water are getting warmer earlier. And they're most notably in bodies of water where there is high temperature and low levels of water. And the reason why that is is because it's creating um so if it's hot enough to evaporate the bodies of water, the water are already warm. But then it has lower levels of water, which means that the water is heating up faster and higher. Hmm. So, um, okay, fine. So, 
why don't we just test the waters to see if it's safe to swim in them? There's actually no standardized te test to detect the NF. Of course not. There's nothing. But you should all be relieved to know <laughs> there is a treatment. Oh, I feel like it's going to be bad, though. Um, the treatment is a typical antimicrobial treatment. Uh, there is a antifungal drug called uh, am amphotericin B. Um, so you can you can take this antifungal if you are infected with the NF. However, the fatality rate with treatment is still greater than 95%. What? Why? It's essentially just a death sentence. They, it's just, you know, you can try really the antifungal. to kill. Yep. And it's eating your brain. Yeah. Oh, wow. That is super grim. So I can't wait to see all you guys swimming in your... <laughs> Fresh bodies of warm water this summer. No, I stand. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to say that all fresh bodies of water are now swimming pools and it's just standing pools. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the rate of infection is, has been traditionally, traditionally very rare, but this is, this is much like coronavirus, the monster lurking in our world. And it is something where I feel I I get, I do have some concern about because it's like, well, is that rate going to increase as we continue to see climate change? Yeah. You know, one of the images that came to my mind when I re was researching this and, <clears throat> you know, where we lived in New, in New Mexico, we weren't far from the Rio Grande. In fact, you could just drive to yeah. it. Yeah, right? I mean, it was there was no water in there, but yeah, we were not far. <laughs> and uh, when it did get water in it, uh, remember this is an area where like 115, 120 degrees—that's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like I remember, I remember the day I distinctly realized I was climatized when, after a very long hot summer day. Uh, it was around 7 o'clock in the evening, which the peak heat of the day doesn't reach, uh, doesn't actually happen until about 5 o'clock in New Mexico, just to give you a sense of how fucking hot it is and for how long. Yeah, but it does get cool at night, unlike in yep. uh, godless, humid areas. <laughs> so, at around 7 o'clock, I was walking home from the office and I was like, well, it's a lot cooler. And then there's a sign that uh, that I would pass every day that would display the temperature. And the temperature read on it 98 degrees. <gasps> and it was like, oh, I'm that person now. <laughs> it's not so bad. It's under so, 100. <laughs> I remember, so, you know, we have monsoon season there. And I remember after uh, the rain that we got in this one July, I was by the Rio Grande. And of course, it was just full of water, and I would I would walk by it uh, pretty often. And so one day it was just really full of water after all this rain that we had, and then I watch it get lower and lower. And one day I saw a family out in it when it was really really low, like they were standing in the middle of the Rio Grande. Yeah, and it was only like 
you know, barely waist high. And they were splashing around. And I did put my feet in that water, and that water was very warm. It was like hanging out in a bathtub. Mm. And I just thought to myself, after doing all this research, that was a close call. Yeah, like, if you had just done one swim under the water, like, you just put your head under once. That could have been it. (laughs) I do remember, um, because even though I, I grew up in a desert, um... I had sinus problems for a while there, and um, our friend Emily Hamans, who's kind of like me, she's like a little anxious, she's a little bit of a chaos demon, Um, (laughs) she was like, oh my god, you're going to get a brain-eating amoeba from using a neti pot, and I was like, that doesn't seem real, and then I looked it up, and I was like, I'm sorry, you were correct. so, I yeah, this is just fucking weird. Like, sometimes when I learn about things like this, I'm just like, how is nature real? Like, <laughs> everything wants to eat you. Yeah, but only, like, this only wants to eat your brain parts. Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's it's a weird change. It's like, it's like, well, normally I dine on bacteria, but since I'm here, I might as well. Yeah, I mean... Tasty neurons. From what I understand, the brain is mostly fat, so it's probably a really delicious snack for this NF guy. I don't, I don't know, but um, the image of like Meatwad yanking out the grill <laughs> and making some neuron patties is like very real <laughs> in my head. Uh, well, luckily for you, I've, I've, luckily for me, I should say, I've always been a little afraid of water. Uh, not afraid, but I'm just like. Uh, no, there's no reason for that much water to exist in one place. Um, (laughs) not necessary. No, thank you. But Emily, you are water. I know. That's all the water you need, baby. (laughs) Uh, but I'm sorry that this has, uh, radically shaken your love. Oh, no, it it changes nothing. I will still get in the water. Just don't put your head under. Is that the key? Don't don't put your head under. Um, and don't like if you can't take wear, a big long wear, sniff or something. Yeah, try to wear nose clips. Mm, sexy. Take take a shower. You know, maybe after you've been in a natural body of water. <laughs> I mean, that's just generally good practice. Ew, gross. <laughs> good advice. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, distinctly horrifying as always. I have nothing else to say. I just, um, I just, I don't know. Like, how did they evolve to eat brains? Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, why, why does this thing think that neurons and bacteria, like, how do they see those as so similar that they're just like, yep, this is what's going to happen? I'm sure there's a really good rational explanation out there, but um, there are limits to my capacity as a person in this world. Listen, we can only do one science at a time, Jennifer. (laughs) One really bad, poorly pronounced science. That's our promise to you, listeners. (laughs) 
Well, on that note, happy swimming. And goodbye forever. All Things Terror is written, recorded, and produced by two amateurs, Jennifer and Emily. Our sound editor is Clint. Intro music is by Cosimo Fogg. Come chat with us on Twitter at All Things Terror or Instagram at All Things Terror Podcast. Ask nicely and we'll probably send you a really cute sticker. If you like this podcast, tell a friend or write a review. It really helps us and helps more people find us. Goodbye forever. Clint told me our moment of silence isn't at the beginning. It's before we say the name of the podcast. Okay. That was a moment of silence for me to <coughs> drink that water for a second. To choke. Alright. 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 We're here. We're doing this. We're sitting down. We're drinking beverages. We're looking at a computer screen. Mostly looking at a computer screen. Yeah. We're... And one of us has vodka and V8, which is apparently a very old bottle of V8. (laughs) (laughs) And one of us has water. So maybe we won't tell them and they can see if they can decide who is who. I mean, the old bottle is probably a dead giveaway. I mean, yeah. It's not my problem or your problem that one of us is constantly a tiny raccoon living in a human body. (laughs) (laughs) Whose problem is it? I don't know. So, um, we are now entering, let's see, I guess end of February, so March to April, April to May, May to June, third month of, um, life in the pandemic. Yep. The forever pandemic for America, because people are like, it's my constitutional right to get my hairs cut. (laughs) Yeah, um... Cases, of course, have been rising in Texas ever since, you know, we opened back up. Luckily, I have not been put in a position where I have to physically be anywhere in order to make a living. Yeah, same. But I know there are other people that do, and it really fucking sucks for them. Yeah, I think for me, I feel like I'm still not going out to restaurants and stuff like that, even though some of them are opening. Um... 
But, like, going grocery shopping, there's still people that don't wear masks. And I'm like, who do you think you are? Like, why do you think you're fancier and better and somehow, like, exempt from giving a shit about other people? Uh, which is very frustrating. Um, it's also at the moment where uh, mass protests about racial injustice have been going on. Um, and the solidarity is really cool to see. The action is really cool to see. I'm heartened to see some responsiveness, but I want everyone to think about sustainability because it's going to be really easy for politicians and companies and people to make symbolic gestures right now and then not follow through with it. And, um, you know, we need to vote out district attorneys that are not on the level and, we need to hold people accountable moving forward um, and not just like join book clubs uh, as this columnist wrote in the WAPO. Let me look it up. Um, that's, a, <laughs> that's definitely scathing. <laughs> it was actually a really good <laughs> article. And like I'm in a teaching circle right now with my, it's like other English teachers at, in my department and we're reading books and we're watching things specifically about racial justice and how that connects to teaching and so like yeah I got called out because it's like well it's a bunch of white people reading things and talking about this um and the author is Trey Johnson and the title of his article in the Washington Post is when black people are in pain white people just join book clubs um and uh, I, I thought it, I was really called out, but it was also like a really good thing to read because he talks about like, well, this isn't new. Like we had this outcry when Trayvon Martin was shot or um, when Sandra Bland was shot or all these things, like these things keep coming. Um, and so it's like, you know, getting upset in the moment and then forgetting about it and reading something here and there is helpful, but not if you drop it only to pick it up a year later or something. Um, he has this line, um, you've had access to instruction about black humanity, freedom, mobility, happiness, and health since we were brought here. It stretches as far back as slave songs and Phyllis Wheatley poems and carries through black lives matter activism. You've had your chance to say this over and over again. Now act. And of course it's hard. It's, it's easier to post things on Facebook and argue with your relatives. Um, and I'm not going to say that those things aren't helping because it's a chaotic system. You never know what's going to help. Um, and it's a little bit harder to like Google, you know, who's running for whatever office and to see what your representatives are doing and how to contact them. And like, that is more work and it's harder and it feels more intimidating. Um, but yeah, sustainability. Yep. I have nothing to add to that because you said everything that needed to be said. So yeah. Also, <clears throat> Clint, we talked for like an hour before we started recording. So you're welcome. We're getting more professional. Maybe. God, I wish I could belch right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am recording from the tiny studio setup I created in the corner of my office, so hopefully there will be some change in quality from that. 
you're you're doing the professionalism wait for both of us <laughs> excuse me so we were also talking about this uh i'm suffering from allergies so give me a second please <clears throat> i'm not sure that it is that i am doing professionalism it's just that i have a lot of time on my hands inside my house <laughs> i'm doing keeping myself from going insaneism <laughs> yes i'm doing that and then you and i also talked about how we don't make money off this podcast like it was never a goal for us to you know be able to quit our jobs and podcast permanently but um it does feel good to have invested in the podcast in this way because you know, it keeps me motivated. It's like, okay, I set up, I dedicated formal space in my house for this. I put the money into mounting this equipment and putting in soundproofing. By the way, soundproof curtains, not fucking cheap, <laughs> as I've learned. But, like, the point is, is, like, I put all this into it, which is a promise to myself to stay motivated to do the good work of research and keep this podcast going on my end. So, I think that's how I feel about that. I think we're getting better. I mean, maybe not more organized, but uh, our episodes are getting better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We'll leave, that, we'll leave that to our listenership to decide. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I have... A question for you, as I typically do. Wait, wait, we have to have ten seconds of silence and then wait, say wait, our no, no, intro. no, not introducing, not not introducing. Oh, okay. I, I have a question for you. Um, what has been your pandemic comfort food? Well, I mean, this is not going to make me sound great, but definitely alcohol because. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have been doing cocktail hour with my housemate um, every night before. Well, not every night, but most nights before dinner. And I've been researching how to make different cocktails and buying ingredients slowly. And so I like, you know, have the little shaker and little cocktail glasses and I make little garnishes. And um, so we do this little like project and... Um, some of them I've gotten really good at, and some of them are, like, new ones that I try, and I've been doing infusions and stuff, and um, so that's sort of, like, my comfort food, because it's it's also been a little bit of a project, and I can't so go what, out to bars. What's, like, your signature Emily cocktail? Well, I will say, and if anyone wants to begin this project um manhattans are surprisingly easy to make and they're really delicious um i got really good at making a gin martini um and actually i would not say that i'm a huge gin drinker except there's a bar here that's a speakeasy and they're the tasting room for a gin distillery it's called brooklyn's on boulder if anyone's ever in the springs um, I love them, and they gave out a list of their cocktail recipes during the pandemic. Um, and so I've been making a lot of gin ones, and it's really, really gotten me to appreciate gin um, because it blends with a lot of things like vodka does, but it has a little extra spice. Um, 
So I would say I've, I've gotten pretty good at making gin cocktails. Um, Manhattans are great. Um, I've recently realized that anything with sweet vermouth in it is going to like scratch that cocktail itch. Like it's going to taste like a fancy cocktail if sweet vermouth is in there, even if it's not. Um, so that's probably, probably the jam. I think I've said this before on this podcast that I make a good gin martini. Well, no, I make a good vodka martini. And the trick is to put a little bit of orange in it. A little orange peel uh, gives it a little little extra something, something. I think you heard it here first, folks. Emily is going to post her Emily signature on her Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> so we can all follow along and have cocktail hour with Emily. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe I will. I haven't Instagrammed any of them, but they're getting kind of pretty and delicious. So maybe I will. And on that note, now we do our 10 seconds. <laughs>